In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. From the Gospel. The ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word in a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. A person who randomly picked up today's epistle and read it without any context might conclude that St. Paul is about as crazy as they come. I mean, who uses a litany of horrible suffering to prove that his ministry is valuable? Let's review his list briefly. Quote, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's 39 lashes to the back with a big boy whip on five separate occasions. Three times I was beaten with rods. This means being brutally assaulted with clubs in three separate incidents. Once I was stoned. That means having sizable rocks thrown at you, one of which hit him in the head and knocked him out. People thought he was dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three shipwrecks. One might keep us from further travel by sea. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Movies have been made about this one thing. In our time, any one or two of these incidents would lead to a diagnosis of some form of traumatic stress. This calls to mind the words of Teresa of Avila, who having suffered a painful and humiliating fall, looked at the sky and said, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few of them. The context for this list of woes beyond the details of ministry in Corinth is the conversion of St. Paul in the ninth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Ananias, the man who baptized Paul, had a vision in which the Lord told him not to be afraid of Paul, even though Paul had been a violent enemy of the church. The Lord said to Ananias, quote, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Today's epistle tells us that the Lord was faithful. He made good on his promise. The litany of suffering was part of St. Paul's defense against his critics in Corinth. The complaint about St. Paul was that he was not very impressive in appearance or as a speaker. As St. Paul himself writes of the criticisms in 2 Corinthians 10.10, quote, for his letters, they say, are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. St. Paul's defense was to double down on the charges. You say I'm weak. You don't know the half of it. To justify his ministry, St. Paul did not point to the miracles he had performed, the number of people he had converted, 
or the impressiveness of his writing. Rather, the proof of his ministry was how he had persevered in his vocation through intense suffering. St. Paul's, Paul's defense reached its peak in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. St. Paul had a physical ailment that he had prayed to God to heal. But the Lord, true to his Damascus promise, said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul concluded, therefore, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, quote, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This epistle is paired on sexagesima with the parable of the sower and the seed. It provides an obvious illustration of the tagline. The ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word in an honest and good heart keep it and bear fruit with patience. St. Paul's ministry produced tremendous results only because he continued in it despite extreme obstacles. The sower in the story plants the seed by throwing it out discriminately, indiscriminately. It lands on various kinds of soil. Some soil is too hard for the seed to take root in, and other soil has other things growing in it that crowd out the growth of the new plant. The seed takes deep root only in one kind of soil, the good soil, and it grows over time and produces a crop only with patience or perseverance. The different kinds of soil represent the different conditions of the human heart. Some hearts are too hardened and some hearts are too attached to other things for God's word to take root in them. What causes this hardness of heart? Why won't people receive the word of God? Our lessons today point to one main cause. Hearts are hardened because humans are unwilling to suffer pain on account of God's word. We are afraid of the painful implications of receiving God's word fully into our lives. The surrender of faith means that we must trust and become vulnerable. We must give up familiar but unfaithful painkillers and coping mechanisms. We must face opposition because we are identified with the name of Jesus. We must say no to things we really feel like doing, and we must work hard to develop new habits and disciplines. To avoid the pain, we harden our hearts. We rely on our own self-sufficiency, 
and we flee to safety and comfort. From the beginning, obedience to God's word required pain or feelings of deprivation. When Eve looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and saw that the fruit was attractive, obedience required that she say no to that attraction and suffer the pain of unfulfilled desire. And this required trust. Do I really trust, do I really believe that God intends what is best for me? The question of all attractive but forbidden things is, why does God keep them from us? The serpent in the garden ascribed faulty motives to God. God tells you not to eat it because he does not want you to be like him. But the Bible teaches us the deeper truth. God withholds things from us the way parents withholds, withhold things from children when the children are not ready for them yet. God made us in his image, but to grow in that image requires a long season of training. We must learn to choose the good and say no to the evil, especially the attractive evil. We must learn the hard lesson that sin, far from fulfilling us and making us like God, leaves us feeling guilty, fearful, and ashamed. When the seed of God's word is planted in our hearts, we are born again in the image of Christ, who is the image of God. We are restored to the initial human vocation to grow into the fullness of that image. But we are born again as spiritual infants. We grow as we learn to say no to the attractive but destructive evil and yes, to the painful but life-giving good. Returning to the parable, we know from experience <clears throat> that the seed on the good soil faces the same kind of obstacles as the other seed. We can identify in the parable the three enemies of the soul, the world, the flesh, and the devil, the sources of temptation and testing. The difference between the seed on the good soil and the other seed is whether we overcome the temptation or whether the temptation overcomes us. Sometimes even the children of God sin. The attractiveness of temptation and the weakness of the flesh get the best of us. But the true children of God learn from the experience just as children learn to walk by falling down. The true children of God return with renewed repentance and increased faith to experience the grace of God again. They learn a little bit more about good and evil, and they learn a little bit more about surrender to God and his word. They learn when I am weak, then I am strong. Fortunately, God is very patient with us. 
the one thing he requires is that we never give up. The devil has two roles. First, he is the tempter, and then he is the accuser. Jesus conquered the devil in both roles. He died for our sins. He forgives us and restores us when we fall. Then he gives us the grace and wisdom through the Holy Spirit to say no next time. The spiritual life is work, sometimes painful work, but it is not the futile work of fallen man that brings forth only thorns and thistles. It is the fruitful horticultural work of surrender to God's word in the spirit. As Jesus said, the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.